Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 306. Uh, joining us uh, live from studio for the first time in a very, very long time. It's our good friends from the Uptown, Devin and Brianna Mahoney, here to talk to you live and in person about the very important Save a Seat Now campaign. Go to saveaseatnow.org for more information uh, while we get into this week's show. Also this week, uh, you know, kind of an interesting week with conversational stuff. Heather couldn't make it this week. Uh, Kentucky Derby we're going to talk about. We're going to have a really, really long conversation about the Dave Matthews Band because... 25 years, why not, of since Crash was released. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, movies, uh, a little bit about some COVID stuff, about local regulations changing, big section of boo this man, big energy is back, history lessons, uh, some funny news, and then some mailbag questions uh, for you and yours. So all of this, folks, and so much more. As always, we are happy to have you here for another episode of the Uticast. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Again, it's the Uticast episode 306. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, co-producer, big man, Kev Sullivan. Yes, steadfast in my resolve. And to my left is no one. Nobody. (laughs) Uh, Heather is not here this week. We told Heather last week she wasn't coming this week, and she told us we were liars. I think that by telling her that last week, I think I gave her permission, essentially. She always has permission. Yeah. she got a busier life than either of us do on Monday, for sure. No, it's true. Heather is uh, not here this week. She'll be back next week. She's off mothering. Off mothering. Doing mothering stuff. Uh, but Kevin is here, uh, and our guest this week, Devin and Brianna Mahoney, uh, were also here, live in studio. So we had a nice conversation with them about the Save a Seat Now campaign going on at the Uptown Theater. Really cool uh, way for you to get involved and connected with the Uptown Theater. So we had a great conversation with them. So there's your mm-hmm. consolation prize for no Heather this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, two for one. <laughs> well, two for one. Uh, Kevin, how have you been? How's your How's your day? How's your weekend? Man, I can't complain. Pretty good. Pretty low-key. You know. Very good. Very exciting. Uh, I feel like it was a low-key weekend, although now I realize when I only get two days off from work, mm. uh, every weekend is a low-key weekend. Because I just sleep through Saturday. I feel like I don't do anything on mm, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And then cram all my stuff onto Sunday. Right. Uh, I, again, am asking you to champion the four-day work week. Move uh, all the days to 10 hours a day. Uh, you're in the wrong field for that. I think we can make it happen. No, I think we can make it happen. kids in school for 10 hours a day. They're already there for eight, aren't they? Two That's more hours, but then they get that extra day off. I think. Mm. I think if you pitched it to the kids, they would want it. I mean, if you pitched ice cream for lunch to the kids, they would want it too. Uh, that's true. They do want that. Uh, they don't want to stay in school till it's dark in the winter. No, but you would get that Friday off. You'd always have a three-day weekend every week. They don't care. They do care. They don't realize <laughs> yet. They don't know. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm here for it, though. Uh, four-day work week. I think we can make it happen, guys. Uh, so, what happened this weekend? Uh, oh, 
Kentucky Derby happened this weekend for all you horse racing aficionados out there. Yeah, both of you. Yeah, all, all both. Of, hey, man, I don't know. I, people seem pretty excited about the Kentucky Derby. People are bored. People are very bored. Plus, everybody's in gambles now. It's true. It's very gambling. People pick up gambling during the pandemic. It's one of the things I feel like people got really hefty into. Uh, it might be your bubble. <laughs> My bubble for sure, but there's also some like fringe people on that bubble who I'm surprised are into gambling now mm. all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, I did have a small, small amount of money. 40 bucks. Nothing, nothing, nothing to, you know, nothing to break the bank over, certainly. Sure. On a horse named uh, Soup and Sandwich. What place did that horse come in? <laughs> It's a great point. There uh, are 20 horses in a Kentucky Derby race. Mm-hmm. At the start of the race, for three quarters of the race, Soup and Sandwich was in the number two spot. He was l- leading the rest of the pack, chasing down Medina Spirit. Now, what's the three-quarter payout? Oh, it's not very good, my friend. It's very mm-hmm. poor. Because at the end of the race, Soup and Sandwich ended up in 19th place. Out of 20 horses. Now, it's important to know that the 20th horse, uh, King Fury, was a scratch and did not actually race. So, dead yes. last. <laughs> so dead yes, last. Soup and Sandwich was dead last. Uh, As if the world hasn't tried hard enough to educate you lads about your gambling misadventures. <laughs> no, and here's what I was saying yesterday to somebody about this. Uh, I'm not a big-time gambler. I don't gamble the way some other people I know gamble. Sure. But there are certain things over the years that I feel like I like to have at least a little small bet in just to make it more interesting. Kentucky Derby, NCAA Tournament... Uh, the Masters for whatever reason. Mm. Like, certain, like, events during the year that I think are, like, big things that people talk about that I know. Mm. I'm like, I'd like to have just something in this, just for fun. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, so I picked almost specifically on name alone. Mm. So, I'm going to run down the list of the Kentucky Derby horses. We've talked about this before, about uh, naming a horse. It's pretty tough. I'll give you the horse name. You tell me if you think it's a good name for a horse or not. You ready? Okay, yeah. Number one, Medina Spirit, the winner. Uh, Questionable. Feels like something some like California. You gotta be like from there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number two, Mandaloon. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, number three, Hot Rod Charlie. Terrible. You don't like Hot Rod Charlie? I'm not into it. I don't know why. Uh, number four, Essential Quality. High level. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, number five, Obesos. No. I don't get it. No, certainly not. I don't. I, anything I could divine from that, I don't like. So uh, no. Number six, Midnight Bourbon. No. Stay little in Kentucky. On, little on the nose. Number seven, keep me in mind all one word with capital K. Sounds like some weird bedroom pop band. I was going to say, it sounds like yeah. a emo band or something from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Helium. No, that sounds like Air Supply. It sounds like a different kind of band. Yeah. All these sound like band names. They do. They do. Uh, I would say so far, if I was taking a band name out of here, it might be number... Well, number nine is Known Agenda. That's a little... doesn't do it for me either. I like number ten, Highly Motivated. Mm. It's, a, it's my favorite so far, I think. Yeah. Number 11, Sainthood. Eh. Number 12, Like the King. Not bad. <laughs> number 13, Bourbonic. No. Uh, number 14, Hidden Stash. Better. Jim Beheim was part owner of that horse, side note. Uh, number 15, Brooklyn Strong. I'm going to recuse myself. Uh, it's a little it's a little thirsty if you ask me. Mm. Uh, number 16, Superstock. Yeah, kind of, because it sounds like a car, but it's a <laughs> it horse. Does. 17, Rock Your World. That's good. Uh, number 18, Dynamic One. Uh, they should have made it the number one instead of the word one, as I see here on the page. I pronounced it like it was the number one. It's, it's pronounced mm-hmm. Dynamic One, but I feel like I said it like it was the number and not the spelling of the number. Would the pronunciations be different, you think? 
No, in my head they would, though. <laughs> I, I, was, I would say them differently. They're exactly the same. Uh, I think, for me, the winner here is probably... Soup and Sandwich is a great name. I like Soup and Sandwich. I always like a dumb horse's name. Like a, King Fury is good, but you gotta, like, at least race. I think Highly Motivated was in my top three. I like that name. I like Hidden Stash. Essential Quality. Essential Quality. I kind of like Known Agenda. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Uh, if you have any famous horse names or any of these horse names you guys would have liked, uh, shout out to Aaron Velarde, who over the years has said he wanted a horse named Hi Hater, I See You, which is really <laughs> just for, so the announcer can say it That's when they're coming around the corner. Name. Yeah, Hi Hater, I See You at number one. Coming around the corner from Known Agenda. Uh, all right, so there you go. Kentucky Derby 2021. I did not win on Soup and Sandwich. And you know what the biggest downer about Kentucky Derby is? You get all hyped up for it, you start watching it, and it's over in like 130 seconds. Yeah. It's it's really fast. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> hey, the soup and sandwich had held out though. If he'd gotten around that last corner, nice you'd set. have been buying the soup and sandwiches I, today. For everybody. Soup and sandwich for all. Uh all right, we're gonna do something we don't normally do here on the show. Um uh we got a lot of response to a tweet and it, it and it relates to some music stuff, so I wanted to bring this up to you. And I, I guess I should point out, this all starts from an article I read earlier this week uh, on The Ringer from Katie Baker that's called The Eyes Have It, A Quarter Century of Watching and Being Watched by Dave Matthews. Oh, my gosh. And it's about the 25-year anniversary of Crash, the second season. It's been, like, everywhere this week. I feel like I've been hearing about Dave Matthews, like, just crazy. I mean, 25, that must be why, 25th yeah. anniversary of his biggest album or whatever, but... Uh, and it's a really good article. And I actually don't have any particular problem with Dave Matthews whatsoever. I was a big Dave Matthews fan in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I did fall out a bit we've talked you and me privately about when and where i jumped off dave matthews right mm-hmm. uh but I, I put a tweet out there today that said what's the most embarrassing band you used to love and why is it dave matthews band uh, and i had some people respond so i thought we could chat up some of their responses about i this. love it uh ken smith responded with obviously nickelback um i don't think people should be embarrassed if you like nickelback they're like a super well, popular band do you think they should be embarrassed if they like dave matthews no, and I want to... like, musically, they're not even close. No. Not even remotely close. You've said something that I think is really important to me before about mm. the idea of guilty pleasures and how guilty pleasures don't really exist. I agree. <laughs> it's like a... So I don't think you should ever be embarrassed by anything you like. If you like it, it's because you like it. It's fine. Indulge yourself in things you like. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just because the world says, I don't like... Nickelback sucks. If you like it, go enjoy it. Who's here to tell you not to? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh... But if you like Nickelback, I think Nickelback is a punching bag band. So if you're like a big fan of Nickelback, you're probably sure that they get a bad rep outside of the fan base, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We like Radiohead. Do you feel like people like who don't like Radiohead are like, oh, Radiohead? It's like a weird band. There's definitely plenty of people <laughs> think that way, but like, there's a huge difference. Those two things aren't the same. Mm. Radiohead's unimpeachable musically at a different level. They're just they're competing at a different degree of difficulty than a band like Nickelback, and I'm not. Not even to make a value judgment mm-hmm. about, you know, whose songs are better or whatever. Yeah. I certainly have my opinion. But, like, just on, like, degree of difficulty and execution of the music, those people are not doing the same thing. You know what I mean? So, like... Oh, for sure. I would be more likely, if somebody's like, oh, I really don't like Radiohead, I'd listen to it. I'd be like, well, maybe it's not for you or it's a little bit. But it's different. Saying you don't like those two things says different things to me, if that makes sense. Uh, next response I got was from GFOP. <laughs> Sarah Foster. We mm. love Sarah Foster. I, I love this response. I'm so happy she sent mm. this. 
I truly do not understand why everyone hates Dave Matthews Band. Those concerts were so much fun, and I still listen to them, but felt embarrassed because everyone makes fun of me for them. This oh. is this is more what I'm talking. Why would you feel embarrassed? This it, is the correct opinion. This is this, this is, is the, the correct, correct opinion. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like whatever you like. I I think that for something like Dave Matthews, I never stopped respecting Dave Matthews as a musician or a songwriter. Like he's he's killing it. Dave Matthews been killing it for 25 plus years now. It looks like. Sure. Uh, I just think that for some bands, I think people go in and out of bands. Like, like you go through periods of times of bands, and some of them stick for a longer time. Like you know, I feel like there's a lot of bands I loved really adamantly, and then just I don't love anymore. And there are some that I love, and I'll love forever. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just let bands go. Uh, uh, I think I think that's a little revisionist in the case of the Dave Matthews band specifically. I wasn't even thinking about Dave Matthews when I said okay, that. Okay, fair enough. Because I'll get to the next one. Uh, uh, Kombucha Cowgirl, our friend Marcy Dyer, wrote, I think that Cobra Starship is a more embarrassing band to like than Dave Matthews. Band. Also the correct opinion. <laughs> also the correct opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was saying that when I was doing a little research on Cobra Starship, I ended up on a page of the band called The Academy Is, mm. who is a band that I absolutely stand for so hard for a period of years, and now I probably haven't listened to that band in... Five, 10 years. Those same five songs are still good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it's weird that there was a band that like I would have worn their t-shirt back in the day and just now I've kind of forgot that they existed until I was like, oh my God, the Academy is reading this article today. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know what I mean? So I wonder what makes a band stick forever and what makes you sort of let them go sometimes. Mm, I mean, well, it comes down to like what other people have to say about it, right? Like if you listen mm-hmm. to what everybody's saying here, like I don't think it's so much that like you you fall you fell out of Dave Matthews or fell away like at a certain point within the social circles you were hanging out it became uncool like nobody's you're not even objectively listening to it anymore because you're like nah this isn't for me this isn't cool I'm just not doing it I'm not feeling it I'm not for it you mm-hmm. know what I mean like because like you said like Sarah Foster said there in the response to it right you get made fun of for liking this music so you either yeah. keep it, so you either keep it to yourself or you're like well I'm too cool for this now I got to put it away you know what I mean. I think that's one of the things that happens then as time goes on now this thing happens it happens with everything where people are just kind of like oh actually oh I actually like this because it was like older and doesn't care and it's not about you know like cool points anymore. Do you have a moment when you feel like you stopped listening to Dave Matthews's actively any particular moment or album? Um, As with a lot of bands from the 90s I feel like it was once they put out that one album where I'm like oh no never mind. Mm-hmm. You know what happened for me, I think, with a lot of bands from the time period, is if I was getting into stuff retroactively, I would, like, so I'll take this band, for example. Like, I started listening to them after that third album. I don't remember the name of it, with the song Crush on it. Yeah, uh, under these, crowded, before these crowded streets. That's the one. Yep, um, love that song. So, like, when I started hearing love about this song. band when I was in, like, middle school or whatever, that album had already come out. So, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. these are three albums. I can go back and listen. But then a new album would come out. I'm like, oh, this is new and weird. I don't like this the same way. You know what I mean? Well, Dave Matthews is interesting for me. My sister, my older sister, uh, Karen, shout out to Karen, likes mm. Dave Matthews. So she would put me on Dave Matthews a little bit. Because I remember like bringing it up to her. Like, oh, my friends said that they like this Dave Matthews band. And she's like, oh, Dave Matthews band is cool. Yeah, yeah. You should listen to Dave Matthews band. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said, okay, fine. And I went and like listened to Dave Matthews band. But I also think it's always interesting when you jump into a band in like the middle of their career. Because, again, I probably jumped in right in that when the song Crush was big. Right? Yeah. And then, like, that's not his first album. So you can go backwards in time and forwards in time finding this new thing that you've never yeah. really encountered. And that's kind of fun. Like, that idea is, well, seems alien things, to me now. And you'll know about this because this is the, all, the conversation amongst musicians about the Dave Matthews band has always yeah. been, it's not for me, but those guys are incredible. 
Oh, super! And incredible. Those guys truly like their drummer Carter Bowford and you know their bass player Stephon Lesser and even Dave Matthews mm-hmm. himself were all so talented at their instruments that like there's a level of musicianship that like you know I mean it sounds like Steely Dan in those first couple of records the level of just chops that these guys have. Well, you know who they talk a little bit about in this article comparing him to is a little bit to like a Peter Gabriel vibe. Yeah, sure. Like there's some Peter sure. Gabriel connections if you think about the way that he mm-hmm. thinks about music and writes songs. I mean, I'm. I've seen Dave Matthews live years mm-hmm. ago, and I still remember it because he was very good. Like oh, yeah, it, was, it was, it was quite a show. Um, I think too, though, that you know, when you're younger, it's also easy to get sucked up into that thing where it's like I'm only listening to a certain thing, right? Oh yeah. So once oh, you yeah. get into like a different thing, it's like I can't also listen to Dave Matthews and uh, Brand New or No Effects or something. Sure, right? Yeah, I can't yeah, do yeah. both of those things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, as an adult, I don't think really, I don't give a shit, right? I can listen to whatever I want, whatever I want. So yeah. that's the freedom of like not worrying about those things as you get older. Yeah, yeah, because it's no longer like, oh, what I like in music is like this defining badge that I have to wear and show to everybody mm-hmm. to explain who I am. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That shit kind of goes away. You're just like, oh, yeah. I, I know who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just kind of out here. Uh, and we were talking, I mentioned earlier to you about the guilty pleasures thing. I was saying, I agree with you, I don't think that guilty pleasures exists. Uh, you can like what you like and don't feel bad about the things you like. However, I do think that there is a concept, I was calling it like stand bands. Essentially like bands that you may like more than any other people you are aware of. Right? Yeah. Like for me, I always think of Semisonic. Like for whatever reason, I like Semisonic more than any other person I've ever known has liked Semisonic. Do you know what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it got me thinking earlier. That, like, I was like, man, I wonder if I ever, I'm sure I have this. So I went back in the internet time machine, and I went all the way back to a website called SputnikMusic.com. All the way back to April 12th, 2006, and found a music review that I wrote (laughs) for Semisonic's album, All About Chemistry. And, man... What a uh, what a nostalgia trip this was going oh, back to read this breakdown that I put up of all these songs. I bet. this absolute like clinical breakdown <laughs> of like uh, just like throwaway pop, guitar pop filler album. I put a small paragraph about every song mm-hmm. on the album, with as a, was the style, with an individual rating uh, <laughs> after each paragraph about the song. And I'll, uh, you can know it was me because the review is done by someone named Jeremiah Tree, which really dates it mm. to a certain time and place. AOA. <laughs> so if you really want to get a good laugh and see my 2006 thoughts about Semisonic's uh, ill-received follow-up album to Feeling Strangely Fine, uh, check it out. On it's going to be Music. directly related to where your bar for laughter is, per se. <laughs> I just be like, this is weird. Uh, super weird. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but I would say that that's one of the bands that I stand more than any. I can't, I have yet to meet a person who's like, oh, dude, I love Semi-Sonic. I have like mm. a Semi-Sonic tattoo. It's usually just me talking yeah. to people about Semi-Sonic. No, I hear you. I got a lot of bands like that, I think. Is it, who's your like number one that you feel like you love and you don't hear anyone else ever be like, I love this band? Um, I think for me, I, I, I guess I would have to think about it for a second because I'm sure there's like some huge jump out examples, mm-hmm. but I think for me more than anything, it comes down to, uh, like who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like there's certain sure. bands that like, you know, depending on, on which setting of people you're talking to, you're like, oh, nobody's ever going to be into this here. Or like, you know, depending yeah. coming from the music world, like sometimes you're hanging out with metal dudes and sometimes you're hanging out with yeah. punk dudes and sometimes you're hanging out with Dave Matthews band dudes and whatever else it might be. Um, I'm trying to think of a band I unapologetically stand for that nobody else likes, though. 
It's better than people say they are. It was a tough question. I always do this to you. I throw you some question without any context. Well, because right you like the, you're like, no, we're going to get the raw in the moment, like the real reaction. No and reason it's like, to do that. You know what I mean? My it, real reaction is like, oh, I'll probably tell you like two hours and we're hanging yeah, out after the show. And yeah. I'm like, oh, remember that thing you asked me? Here's five thought out minutes of content on it. And I'm like, huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I do sort I went back and I will say about this one thing. I did sort of smile be like, man, I was so passionate about mm. this in 2006. Like, whatever reason, for this 45 minutes... I can say a genre, and it pertains to this, actually. All of that late 90s um, soft alternative guitar rock. Like Third Eye Blind. Matchbox 20. Those first two or three Google Dolls albums. Mm. You know what I mean? Say what you will. Like, all the songs. Well, Semi-Sonic, yeah. There, Wallflowers. Yeah. A lot of that kind of stuff. I Matchbox really 20 is a really interesting one. And that's sort of probably in line almost with Dave Matthews, I feel like. Closer, like a yeah, Matchbox yeah, Twenty, sure. right? They, sure. Although I guess their track right, they didn't last as long as a band. Like Rob Thomas is still around. I don't think Matchbox Twenty is still kicking out music. I think they do here and there, but they're less of a band. The way Dave Matthews Band is like, no, this gumbo of five guys. Way less respected, you would argue, right? Oh, I, there's. I don't think there's any argument. No respect yeah, for yeah. Matchbox Twenty because again, musicianship. <laughs> this is the why Dave Matthews Band is the modern day Steely Dan because. <laughs> <laughs> I just almost saw you throw up. I've been, uh, I've been, work, I've been workshopping oh that one all weekend. Um, God, dear Lord. But there's a level of undeniable performance and musicianship that you get from the guys that you're just not getting on bands that make songs that sound like Crash Into Me. You're just not getting that on mm-hmm. like a Matchbox 20 album or a Goo Goo Dolls. Like the Goo Goo Dolls had that giant album with songs like Slide, Irish, whatever on it. All great songs from the sense that they're really well written, really well produced. Yeah. They've got hooks. They're obviously huge songs, so people like them. You know, it goes along with the guilty pleasure thing. Like at a certain point, where everybody likes it. It's, I can't say it's a bad song. It's just not for me. But that said, there's nothing on even ten seconds of any of their records that comes close to the shit that you hear from like that first Dave Matthews record and that whole band jamming and you know the rhythm section and everything. You know where the Goo Dolls loses me now. When the other guy... In like 2001. No, no, no. But when the other guy who's not Johnny Resnick sings a song now. Oh, see, I thought that would be your guy. He's like the punk rocker <laughs> and like the skeezer bass player. He was the original singer. <laughs> I know. The guy with the terrible voice. It just... It, now it feels cringy when I hear about this. like, hey. So there's a podcast I've been listening to uh, called Bandsplain. And yeah, it's yeah. funny that you say this because Bandsplain, the host will bring on somebody to talk about a band that they like stay and call for and they'll play a bunch of tracks, the whole track... And it's wild because as you say this, they had an episode come out this week about the Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. And I listened to one about the Goo Dolls a couple weeks ago, and I listened mm-hmm. to one about Steely Dan a couple weeks ago. So, like, all these bands have been on my <laughs> mind and getting dissecting the why we like what we like and, like, yeah. what that kind of means and, like, how to get into these bands. So, uh, I would recommend that to anybody. Band Splain, it's like a Spotify joint or something, but it's a really good podcast I've been enjoying. Well, in classic fashion, we uh, I said to you we should stretch out this front segment. We went 22 minutes you, on Dave yeah. Matthews. I, I knew we would. We, listen, and, we can go 20 minutes in our sleep. We're uh, professionals. Let's let's blast through a couple things that were in the news this week. Uh, some COVID stuff, I guess, is important because it's related to us. Uh, we don't have it. We don't have it. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, it was unveiled earlier this week, last Tuesday, actually, right after we went off the air. Uh, guidelines allowing fully vaccinated people to unmask indoors, uh, outdoors and even indoors in small gatherings. Uh, Governor Cuomo today announced uh, that as of May 19th, uh, he's they're lifting most uh, mandates across the state. So mm. on May 19th, uh, most capacity restrictions in New York State will be lifted. This includes retail establishments, food service. Uh, gyms, fitness centers, amusement parks, entertainment, hair salons, barbershops, offices. 
Uh, outdoor venues, uh, stadiums will be able to go to 33% capacity. Uh, so, yeah. Big change coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw somebody on say this either on social media or on Instagram or something about, like, if you went through, like, people's uh, social media feeds and stuff this week, it was the first time it looked like a Saturday night in, like, a year and a half. Mm. You were actually seeing people, like, out doing stuff. And... I mean, like, depends who you're friends with on social media. Yeah, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like, I got, like, some, like, young cousins and, like, adjacent people. Like, kids <laughs> that used to work for me at the brewery are, like, 22 and just... You, <laughs> you wish they cared. Yeah. <laughs> you wish they cared at all. Uh, but, yeah, so it seems like, you know, we've, we've jokingly said nature's healing for four weeks but now. no, yeah. I wasn't joking. No, I know, but we've been using it, sorry. Yeah, I think we're laughing at something that's serious, but yeah. no, yeah, yeah. Nature is healing. Things are getting better, slowly but surely. Uh, uh, Governor Cuomo also updated New Yorkers on positivity rates across the state. She said the overall positivity affection rate is 1.79, which is mm-hmm. down more than 50% from over last month. Uh, let's do a lighter story, because I, I really like this one. Uh, shout out to a casual friend, uh, Teresa Moriarty, Utica native, Teresa Moriarty. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, who apparently, read about this in WKTV today, is the leading actress in a new movie set to debut on May 11th called Made in Chinatown. Oh, look at that. Movie set to come out on May 11th starring Tony Darrow of Goodfellas, Vincent Pastore of The Sopranos, and Teresa Moriarty, originally from Utica. Oh, that's cool. I know, right? And I guess it's like, uh, you can go read the article on KTV if you want. Uh, It's a movie, it seems to be about, uh, it's like a mafia-style movie. Mm. Uh, She is playing Tina DePoco, nice Italian girl from Little Italy in New York City. Off the Canal Street, you have... Oh, I'm not going to go through all the details. Go ahead and yeah, read no. it. Uh, but I was thinking about, like... I've always jokingly said I would like to be in a movie... Not like a like a big starring role, because I'm like a, kind of a bad actor. Oh, I'd love to be the star. Well, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd, like, I'd like one of those things where they call it like a vehicle for me. I want oh. a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys can go look up the Maiden Utica video reel to see me. I'm really trying my heart out. That's the best acting I can do. So there you go. That's, that's as high as I can get. Mm. Uh, but there's a couple Acting of things. begins when you stop trying and start doing it. So you gotta Call the, me. Get gotta, me in this movie. It's not ready. <laughs> gotta live in the role. Uh, I do think Mafia movie would be a really cool genre to do, though. For sure. Just be a guy who's like, Hey, Tony, you want me to get the thing? I want that line. No, the other thing. No, the other thing. I, I would imagine for you, you'd want to be in some sort of horror movie? Some sort of extra? Some sort of... Is that where you're going? No, I don't want to be an extra. And no, I don't want to wear a mask. No, I'm trying to be out there. Like, trying a, to be like a rom-com? I could do all right in a rom-com. I'd have to, you know what I mean? Like, I would rather be, I don't know, I'd be tough to be like the buffoon out there. And in, I'd be, like to be the side friend, maybe, in the rom-com movie. The guy who actually mm. gets the funny lines but sits off to the side. You want to be LeBron in Trainwreck? No, give me the action movie. Action movie's the way to go, you know although... I, mean? like that. I was thinking about that with horror movie, though, right? It'd be cool to be like the hero in the horror movie who saves the day or whatever, mm. right? But to film a horror movie, you got to be covered in like fake blood and running through all. So it's probably not as chill working that as it is like. I mean, actually, you got to run away from explosions and stuff. I've cleaned kitchens before. What do you want? Point. I bet the I bet the check clears. It's you know great. what I mean? Like what is so, so what? Oh, I'm covered in blood for a couple. Of, oh no, I'm gonna go home to my mansion. What a time to pick which one of my seven showers to clean off in. Uh, you can watch Made in Chinatown, which is released on May 11th. Uh, on demand across Amazon, iTunes, Fandango, and any digital platforms that have them. Nice. That's so, cool. There you go. Shout out to our Proctor alumni. That's right. Represent. Yo. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, oh, so if you're sick of New York, this is a good one. I know a lot of people out there don't like New York these days. I keep seeing it all over the place. Mm. Uh, apparently, 
Vermont is paying people to move there mm. from New York State. They will pay you upwards of five thousand dollars to mm. move to Vermont from New York State. Kevin, what are your thoughts about taking five K to move to Vermont? Not enough. What do you mean five K? Five K that's not enough. To cover relocation, what is that? Five thousand dollars? Nothing. You're not moving to a new state with five thousand dollars. This feels kind of wrong. You should be able to like, hey, come, come. Instead, no, no, I, I love it for them. Good for them. Like, absolutely, I support it. Huh? But I'm not taking. I, no, I would need more. I would need more. Uh, I feel like Alaska does this too, right? They give you a bunch of money to come live in Alaska. I like a bit of money they give you. I like you like a bunch. Hmm. Uh, that ruins my plan to move to Alaska. There's take... definitely like countries. For sure, that, like, random, like, miscellaneous, like, islands and stuff. That's a real thing. The one that I always see uh, is, like, uh, I saw this one in Italy recently where it's, like, you can buy a house for a dollar as long as you, like, commit to fixing it up, essentially. Yeah. So you can live in, like, some town in Italy for crazy cheap if you decide you want to buy this. You got some money. If you yeah. got some money, yeah. Uh, let's do, uh, let's do a quick boo these men, uh, and all three of them kind of similar this week. First one, uh, Tucker Carlson, who earlier this week said that the only people who wear masks outside are zealots and neurotics, uh, and that seeing people wearing masks outdoors is like watching a grown man expose himself in public. Bro. <laughs> I, this is something I'll never understand, because I, I, I was out in public earlier this week. People were wearing masks. Most people were wearing masks. But some people weren't, mm. right? And no one said anything to anybody. Of course no one, not. No one seemed to care. No one was bothered. No one stopped anybody for doing anything. Correct. So I don't. I just don't understand what world some of these people live in with these complaints. It's like a fake world, right? I don't. I. I. That's not. You can't be taking that at face value in good faith. No, and it, it, no, I'm not. And it feels like, but people pay attention to him. It's like this Joe Rogan thing, correct? Right? Like, that's, well, that's, no, but I'm saying like that's this is not like some harmless like oh you idiot. This is on purpose to make people upset because this yeah. person would like to see when you're out at the coffee shop. He would like to see confrontations and people feel more aggrieved at each I other. I guess this it's is the, very much on purpose. I guess it's the shame thing, right? Like I feel. I would feel shame if I were lying to people openly. Of course you would. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why I'm not on TV, right? Like that's that I guess becomes, that's the, that becomes the problem. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan also this week uh, was getting Idiot. killed for his takes on it. Uh, yeah, I guess it's tough because like you have this platform, so to a certain extent, like you have a responsibility to like tell the truth, but they don't. No, you don't. Really. You would like to think. Yeah, you'd like to think would, they do. But... Uh, and the other person to boo this week um, is Tennessee executive Sam Johnson, who was identified this week and fired from his job after he harassed a teenage boy for wearing a dress to his prom. Yo, like, mind your business, Sam uh, Johnson. Just mind your business. That's all it takes for these people. Mind your business. Uh, but it also brings up a very important, from la- uh, very important point from last week with Josh Fight 2020. I am willing to put together Sam Fight 2021 uh, to fight Sam Johnson. So if you guys want to make this happen, I'll be happy to fight this man. There you go. Uh, we can make this happen on Twitter if you want. Sam fight 2021. Mm. Famo versus Johnson. Let's go. Let's I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. Uh, also, <laughs> also this week, uh, an amazing return of the big energy segment, which had been gone away because of all the soccer stuff, but it's back. It's back this week. And this week's big energy segment goes to Rudy Baton, a 22-year-old... Uh, from the Yate Branch in England, uh, he pleaded guilty this week after he uh, held up a McDonald's, 
right? Mm -hmm. During the robbery, he demanded cash and also chicken nuggets. When he was told they were serving only breakfast, he instead chose a double sausage muffin. That's a come up. McDonald's <laughs> breakfast is better than any other garbage you can eat there the rest of the day. Uh, he's been jailed for six years on two counts of robbery, two counts of having an yeah. uh, imitation firearm, which is really what got him in jail. Mm -hmm. He had like a fake gun. Um, <laughs> I like this letter, like this note from his mom uh, that comes at the end. She's like, uh, he's utterly ashamed and embarrassed of the way he behaved. Like Should a, be. a, a very much mom response to that. Should be. Uh, don't rob people with a fake gun. It's terrible. But I respect the energy of changing your order when they tell when you told them that we are only on breakfast. Mm. Right? Give me your money and these nuggets. It's breakfast. Ah, I oh. gotta eat. All right, sausage biscuit maybe. Maybe a pie. I'll never biscuit. Hey, their biscuits are bad. They're not good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I'm losing my voice. I'll tell you, it's tough going back to like teaching in the morning where I'm talking, talking all day. All day. Yeah, yeah. Talking all day. I'm losing my voice a lot these days. Uh, all right. Let's get to this week's uh, guests. Uh, and again, we love having them on here. Our very good friends, Devin and Brianna Mahoney, are here again to talk about SaveAseatNow.org, the Save a Seat campaign going on at the Uptown Theater. Uh, when you save a seat, uh, you are doing more than just saving a seat. The building, your help to renovate the building itself. We spent a lot of time talking about all the work that needs to be done, uh, the overall investment, what you can do to become involved. This is a really cool way to get involved. And it's mm. one of the things we talked about in the shows. You can sell mugs and T-shirts. You can do like a fundraiser. But this is a way where you can officially like have your name and part mm. of your investment there for the future. Yeah, yeah. Like a physical manifestation of of being part of this community and it's really cool so we brought Devin and Brianna back on uh, live in studio for the first time in over a year and a half probably cool. uh, to sit down and talk with us about this and as always it was a great pleasure so let's get to Devin and sister who's here and i'm always sure that my sister in illinois is like jealous of how often my mom is around my mom is retired now like rest in you know not rest in peace that sounds terrible she's doing great she's killing it out there Just in retirement resting life resting happily she's she's chilling all the time she's actually going on vacation <laughs> to visit my sister next week but yeah it must be it's, i grew up with my grandparents like right around me right like i my grandparents owned a hardware store in east utica as a kid and lived above the hardware store so when I was a little kid, you know, my mom was working, my parents were divorced. It was really, like, super vital to to have my grandparents around to help out because my mom was essentially doing it on her own for a yeah. long time. So, you know, it's nice that you guys have your, your parents in in close range. It's got to be a nice bonus for you guys. It's huge, yeah. man. Yeah, I didn't have my parents around growing up. Grandparents? Mm. Uh, grandparents? Yeah. My, grand my, parents, yeah. <laughs> yeah. my parents were your sometimes parents. around. <laughs> <laughs> but my grandparents were never around. Uh, no, but it's it's so it's a nice thing to have them involved in our kids' lives, and it's nice to have them around to help us with things. And 
Um, yeah, and I think especially in this day and age, it's um, the the nuclear family model is is uh, being pressed. You know, in in, in terms of, uh, well, I think you're you're pressing on something that's interesting. Did you grew up with divorce at all? Were you parents divorced at all? No. So when I my parents got divorced, my mom hates when I talk about stuff like this. She gets really mad. She goes, "Sorry, mom," but it, it serves a good point. My parents got divorced when I was eight ish, eight ten range. So you're talking early nineties, mm-hmm. right? I think the general consensus in the early, when I my parents got divorced, I thought it was oh no, like no one else I know's parents are divorced. I'm going to be the 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 crazy parent, kid whose parents right. are divorced. And all of a sudden, I realized pretty quickly that it's like oh, I mean, this is pretty common. So I want to say the perception feels like it changed really quickly for like the nuclear family. I yeah, think the idea that like having a, a a normal, totally straightforward family. Doesn't always seem like the norm for a lot of people in this generation anymore. It feels like it's scrapped together. Well, I think just the the idea of like parents and three kids in a house subsisting on their own is not doable these days. You know, you, and oh sending God. our grandparents off to to die in a in a home. And it's not like how it used to be. It's, no, it's like so. It's I don't know. I, I think it, it raises a, a cool conversation about about you know th- that kind of model of of life. Um, especially in this day and age when, when uh, you know, pandemic and we lean on people for childcare and, and for just for help in general, it's um, it's interesting. Well, I saw somebody asking last night, and I guess I'll, it, people will figure it out by the sound of the audio. Uh, Devin, Brianna, you guys are here in the studio. Yeah. It's amazing to actually have you guys yeah, in the studio. It's good to be. It's good to be in a place. Yeah. Uh, Kev, uh, Heather was on last week, and you know she's been back for about two weeks. First time in over a year and a half, she's been back because we all got vaccinated. Have you guys, how long have you guys had the vaccinations up? Actually, are you guys like, you guys are in the clear now? Yes, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah we're both. Since end of March. End yeah. of March. I, I went very quickly from feeling like I was gaming the system to try to get it to like. I think a lot everyone of can get it. But like yeah. two weeks later, it was like everyone can get it and they can't give it away. So uh, there was that window. But yeah, I got in, um, I think last week. So it's been three weeks from yeah. now, so at least. You know, I think that that's a really good point, too. I think a lot of people were in that zone. Like, you know, I saw someone compare it to, like, getting Coachella tickets. It's like, I'm just going to go refresh the website and see if I can get through today. Oh, it didn't work. I'll try again next week, right? But then within a few weeks, I'm seeing people texting me, being like, hey, can if you want to get a vaccine, come down here because we need people to fill out this thing. So... Well, that's what essentially happened with Brie where, when she wanted to J.C. Penney's, which I found amusing. Did you went to J.C. Penney too? Yeah. I was. I've been comparing it to the world's worst Disney ride. Like you wait in a really long haunted it motel. A really long it sounds it horrible. It just made me sad because I liked J.C. Penney. Like I was just kind of bummed that I can't shop there anymore. It's the most time I've spent in the mall in years. I yeah. thought about that when I was there. Uh, I thought it was like remarkable how much. Like, from the minute I started getting in line, it was just people complaining, like, the whole oh time, because people love to complain. I'm like, oh, my God, you're about to get the vaccine. <laughs> this has been the worst year. Can't you just, like, calm down and just, like, chill and not worry about it? <laughs> my favorite guy, my favorite guy, I was in line, and I, I loved, actually, I loved it because that was my nature is healing moment. I was like, oh, my God, there's people around me in line, and they're all annoyed, and they all want to leave. I'm like, it's like, we're back. We're back, America. <laughs> Uh, but there's a guy behind me, him and his wife, and the husband was very clearly just trolling his wife. Like, he was just being real loud and saying stuff like, geez, look at this line. Thanks, Joe Biden. He's like, I guess if Trump was here, there'd be no line at all. And his wife was like, will you stop? People are looking at you. And I was just like, I 
was like, this guy. I is, know. This guy is. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> I was having such a laugh. I was like, this guy. And I'm trying not to laugh in front of them because I feel like if I laugh, it's going to encourage this guy to keep going. Right, but I will, it was kind of funny. <laughs> I was just like, I feel bad for his wife, who yeah, very clearly doesn't want to be hassled. It was, it was funny, like just hearing people come, the variety of things people were complaining about, and then at one point there was a guy who was loudly complaining about like how this was all like this line, the line in the JC Penny <laughs> vaccine thing was all Cuomo's fault, and then this oh. like young woman like two back from him was like, "How this is the county health department?" Like, I just, have... and then they were fighting loudly. <laughs> The Cuomo thing is so weird. Like, uh, here's what I've learned since the last, like, the last 10, eight, eight, 10 years of my life. Politics is like its own world. And you can't get too committed to any one particular person or any one particular side because politicians don't totally understand what, like, normal people's lives are like. And I always find it weird to be like, I'm going to put a flag up for any person, even guys I like. Because, like, well, how do I know that this is a good guy? I don't know these people. I don't know anything about them. I'm right. just assuming... That any of these people, no matter what they say, has my best interest in mind, I hope. Right? That's the best you can do. So it always seemed weird for me to be to get too excited about anybody. Yeah, it's also a much dicier shot now with phones everywhere. It is a much dicier. Back in the day, it was just some senator guys somewhere that went to Washington and no one ever actually saw them. And now it's, you know, we're watching tape of Matt Getz, you know, having sex with minors. That's the Dana Carvey thing, right? Like, in the 19... back in the day, like, if John F. Kennedy got caught with, like, a, like a prostitute, the cops would be like, I'm sorry, Mr. President, we're going to have to ask you to leave and go home. We won't tell anybody. We'll have a good night, right? Now that's like the biggest story that's ever happened. So right. a lot of it changes in terms of like how we treat people in that these, not just in politics. Do you see this way we treat all sort of celebrities? And yeah. We've gotten way off topic here. <laughs> oh my God, I know. We haven't talked about <laughs> This is what happens when you don't get people in rooms You're for right, long enough. Anyway, to... I didn't wait in any line. Uh, either time, I walked right in. Did you go to SUNY? Yeah, that's what great. That's what everyone. My Feds, mom was there. They had it under control. The National Guard had it under control. <laughs> they were just waving people on, and it was fantastic. Well, the fact that you guys are here means you haven't had any sort of major side effects, which is good. You didn't get too. Did you guys get too sick or anything from? I didn't. I had one day where I was like, I feel kind yeah, of crummy. Yeah, just had like a bummer day. Bummer day. Yeah, that could be any day though for me. Just having a downer day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it hit me pretty hard for a day or two. Like I was out. I, I, guess, I was like, pretty tired. But uh, no, after that it's it's fine, and uh, you know it's uh, happy to do our part to get back to back to life, so we can start doing things. So I went out for the first time yesterday, very briefly, to meet some people to watch the Kentucky Derby, which is the first time that I've been sort of out in, uh, let's call it public. I would say the place I was at was doing a pretty good job keeping people mm -hmm. mostly socially distanced, you know. And it still felt a little weird, even vaccinated, being fully vaccinated for a while now. It still didn't feel totally... I, I'm still a little uncomfortable, and I wonder... I think that's just going to take some time broadly for people to get more comfortable right. going back into society without it. It still saw a lot of people wearing masks. Do you know what I mean? People still seem pretty committed to like wearing masks, even early on. Yes. Yeah. Which is good, because they I'm want to... I'm a little gun-shy to take it off, to be honest. I, 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 it's hard for me to keep it on now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, you know? It's like science and whatever. I, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to keep it on when I can in public, because, like, other people haven't yet. And But at a certain point, like, it's just... And I think that's where that's where the, the gray area is going to be for a lot of people, is how comfortable... How quickly will people get comfortable? And I think as the summertime moves on, and, you know... Barring any sort of terrible reports about, you know, variants or something like that going on, I think you're going to start to see it happen 
pretty quickly once the weather warms up and once people start getting comfortable with the idea of getting themselves back out. Yeah. I can't wait until I'm already ready to be an introvert again. When I'm already... Yeah, <laughs> like for, I'll be for out other for, reasons. Yeah, I'll be yeah. out for like three hours. I'm like, that's it. I'm time for me to go home. I'm, I'm tired again. Right. I know. When you realize like you have to keep a conversation going and you'd really <laughs> just rather not. I've always struggled at bars because I'm not a big drinker. So if I go to a bar, I can have maybe two beers, right? And then I'm a little like, oh, I don't know if I'd be able to drive after this. And then I'm like, no, I guess it's time for me to go home. And then everyone's like, what are you talking about? We've been here for 30 minutes. <laughs> right? I'm like, ah, this is tough You're for over me. It. I know. Well, I went to the Green Onion for the... I, well, we'd been there a little, like, outside over yeah, the yeah. summer last summer. But I hadn't really been in and, like, hanging out and, like, sitting at the bar. And I just sort of walked in and, like, forgot the transaction. Like, I couldn't remember, <laughs> like, what the cadence... Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you have to order. You have to know what you want and say it, and then they get it for you. Like, I was just so tripped up because I just hadn't done anything. (laughs) I I can't imagine what it's like, too, in, like, a really big city. Like, I got to talk to, like, a Chris Mandry or someone who's in, like, New York or L.A., one of my New York L.A. friends. Because I wonder if it's getting sort of back to normal-ish in larger cities as well. I haven't seen what the numbers are for like New York City or Los Angeles at the moment, but I bet you they're still a little bit behind I us. I think LA is still the quiet, and yeah. I think people. I think some people have left the cities, but I, you know, I read this week that the uh, Blasio announced that July first, they're they're yeah. taking off all COVID restri- all COVID restrictions. Yeah, so it's masks, it's distancing, everything. You know, I've read a lot of these stories about like you know, I'm only partially a New Yorker, like New York City person, because I only spent like five years there. So people who live their life in New York, like you didn't spend any time in New York. You're not really from New York. I'm like, I, I know. But I wonder if you'll see some sort of giant shift in the change in New York. Like, yes, people did leave during the pandemic. I don't think that New York City is dead, which is this this narrative that people want to push. But what I do think is you will see sort of a, a, a shift in the demographics. New York City was already headed to a place where it's too expensive for anybody who didn't have a ton of money to live without living in squalor. Right. Like the, it was getting really bad in terms of like affordable housing, even like a little bit of moderate mid-level apartments. Those didn't exist anymore. Right. So now with a lot of people moving out, I wonder if you get a slight reset of like available markets for people to move in. Maybe you get more people coming in from, you know, backgrounds that couldn't get those apartments in a year I and a half so. ago. I think that'll be my, that's my fingers crossed hope for New York City is sort of a reshifting of what the city looks like. It would be an interesting side in. effect, yeah. I'd love to see it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the uptown guys. I've been we've yes. been chatting here for twelve minutes already. I'm so yeah, sorry. What have we even been talking about? We're all over <laughs> the place. I'm so your, your coffee's ready. Just so you it know. Is? Yeah. It turns well, out I can't see the light. Well, I'm gonna go get the coffee for all three of us so we can enjoy some coffee, and then we'll while, come back and talk about the uptown. Well, while I do that, why don't you guys give our, our listeners a quick breakdown about uh, the Save a Seat Now uh, program and what you guys have been doing? I'm seeing you guys on Instagram talking about it. I want to say, you guys, was it today or yesterday you put up that 12 of your seats have already been saved? Mm-hmm. Yes, at it's least. actually we... more than 12. It was 12 last week. So this was, okay. So even... And then there's another, like, five or so. We're getting a, we're getting a good start. All right. Fruit of time, yeah. Well, I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds of my time while I pour this coffee Fantastic. to explain to people a little bit about this so they know more about it. Fantastic. All right, cool. Sam. Okay. It's weird because you're just walking away. I <laughs> know. <laughs> let's, let's talk about something else. I know, we can just take over. No, it's okay. Well, now we'll see if he actually edits anything. Because oh, I will edit it. He'll listen yeah, back. and about it. No. <laughs> so Save a Seat is a targeted capital campaign uh, intended to raise the funds for us at the Uptown Theater to complete the next phase of our 
phased restoration project, which would open up uh, the main auditorium uh, and including the stage and the and uh, movie screen and the in the front 300 seats, essentially down everything below the the. Uh, uh, oh, like. The lower level. The lower level, yeah. Uh, and, you know, but they would uh, most importantly get us a new roof, which is the, the next big thing we need mm. to get started. So uh, we've rolled out a campaign where you can sponsor, uh, individually sponsor a seat or a pair of seats. And uh, the money goes straight towards this campaign. And, uh, you know, not only, as uh, Bree has said, um, you know, you're not only saving the seat, you're saving the walls and the roof and... Yeah. And you know our ability to keep going forward with this project. I think this is really exciting for people too because you know we've talked a lot about how to best utilize this building and all the stuff you guys have been doing, the improv stuff. I love the theater. I love what you guys have done. But I think that the the main theater itself has a weird pull on people and nostalgia yeah. mm-hmm. that really draws people to the theater. And I, I I don't know how to explain it. I guess. Simply, it's just this love of a place that meant something for so many people for so many years, I think. Yeah. And I think it's smart to take advantage of that. And what sort of response have you guys gotten so far from the community? Um, it's been good. I mean, it's been really encouraging. There's a lot of positive response. Um, I think people like the idea of being able to be a part of this. Yeah. And crowdfunding is not new to people. Um, and often it's something that people are doing to to help in like an emergency (laughs) so um so people are are used to the idea of being asked to kind of pitch in and um but thankfully this is kind of a like you know a positive emergency because something good will come out of all of it but um so we've had some people i think are excited about it there's been some initial people who have bought seats um or sponsored seats and we're trying to, you know, the cost of a seat or, or you know, the theoretical cost of a seat <laughs> is $500. Like, mm-hmm. that's the buy-in. And we set it up so on the website you can sign up to do, like, a monthly charge. So it's, like, an automatic monthly mm-hmm. donation. And so over a year, you're paying, like, 40 – it's, like, $41 a month. And we thought we hope that that would be appealing to people because it can be daunting to see, like, a $500 mm-hmm. We understand cost, that's, which we that's get a big it. ask. Yeah. We're just know? trying to like think of it like a a lot like a lot a lot of investors and like this is your chance to come in. And what we've found is already a couple of people have surprised us with their creativity of pooling together with friends of doing their own mm-hmm. like mini fundraisers to get the money so that they can buy a seat. Um, Tony Thompson put a yeah. bunch of his art for sale up on Facebook and, and then Tim them. Shram's gonna put together a white noise. Tim Schramm's going to do a nice workshop. So, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own mini fundraisers using, you know, their talents uh, to kind of raise money for this, which has been Mm -hmm. been cool. Because we know it's not not easy, but we also didn't want to make it uh, too cheap, you know? Like, we need buy-in from people around here, and we need help. And, and, you know, small donations uh, aren't going to cut it at a certain point, you know? We need a certain certain amount of money, but we're, we're... confident that once we hit this $500,000 threshold that between um, uh, you know grants and historic tax credits that we'll be able to leverage the money that we raise during Save a Seat to complete the, the full transformation of the theater yeah. um, 
big picture. And also yeah. being self-sustaining in terms of the revenue we can take in. So we do, you know, we do all right with the events that we do in the lobby. You know, they're mm-hmm. nice. They've helped pay the bills and get some smaller repairs and maintenance and stuff done. But it's just not you just can't charge enough you just can't have enough people like it's not really going to move us forward the way it will to actually be able to use the auditorium as a functioning space so we kind of have to hurry up and do that and you know this is not this was not plan a for us you know we've we had to rethink it because when everything shut down like our whole fundraising strategy kind of went out the window because Mm. fundraising changed the availability of funds changed priorities resources just everything got totally shaken up so we're like okay if we want to do this we have to like we're just gonna have to do this ourselves more or less you know and ask people to to help us well you know it's such a weird thing too because it's probably happening for so many companies you know even from even from the art and the the handshake city maybe utica stuff it it really was a question of like, I guess we just have to start thinking about what we can do when we're allowed to have people back. In other right. words, like how many things theoretically can we do? You know, Justin and Kate came up with the idea for the the handshake fund, and that was the first sort of like idea that we'd had in a while. It was like, well, we we could do this now without having to hold off on it because otherwise we're, it's going to be a waste. I do think we are entering a time now where people are going to want to start being back and involved in things. I think right. there's a smart aspect of the timing of this and i also want to say the price thing i don't think that that price is that price seems high 500 dollars, right you could right. buy a playstation 5 or 500 but 500 dollars makes you feel like you're invested in something in a way that a 10 dollar mug or a 15 dollar t-shirt does right. not people will buy something people will buy a three dollar sticker and then throw it in their folder and forget right. about it six months later when you have someone committed at a price point like that it's it really makes you feel like you have someone who's committed to seeing your success going forward. That's got to feel good. It does. It does feel good, and it's it feels really good, and it feels it feels good to see people uh, jumping on board uh, to help us kind of carry the message out. Um, I forgot what was I going to say. Well, and it's good, you know. That's we hope that people see it as that way. You know, sure, there's some people who can who just can do a $500 donation and you know they yeah. do that kind of thing all the time and they're philanthropic but not you know not everyone is able to do oh, that sure. or or makes a habit of doing that and so we hope that people who do you know come up whether they pool their money together with friends or pay it over time or pay it all at once that they you know forevermore as the uptown is open and thriving think oh, like I had a part in that. Like I was part of the team, you know, even if it's like a thousand people, then it's like a thousand founders Oh, believe me, if I, <laughs> if I had $500 to spend, this is like the kind of thing that's intriguing to me. Like I, I go back to like, you know, when I was living in New York and I had some money to throw around when I was waiting tables and making way too much money for it. You know, I bought a museum of natural history donation. They don't need my money right. necessarily, right? There's yeah. $90 a year for me. But I wanted to feel like I was involved in something. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're you're giving something back, but you're also supporting something that's important to you. And I think that's really the key too as well. You know, like I and I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who don't have five hundred dollars. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? But like who would love to support you guys as well too. But this is a really nice way of building a solid foundation for long term support. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you'll get your name on a on a plaque. We'll put on the seat, and uh, you know, first, you know, uh, members club in terms of first crack at tickets once things go on sale. Um, but yeah, hope you know. Hopefully, we're hoping that that bringing it down monthly helps. Uh, and also any, you know, we're going to have some other sponsorships opportunities at other buy-in levels coming up soon as part of this campaign. And, uh, just in general, any donation amount helps, uh, whether or not you're sponsoring a seat, uh, the money goes towards this campaign. You know, this campaign is just, um, putting a name on what we've already been doing, which is trying to mm -hmm. harness community support to, um, to move forward. And, you know, like, you know, uh, you asked uh, Bree what the the deadline was. Yeah, I didn't want to. I was going to let you guys sort of define that. I didn't know if you have some sort of outer limit. But did you want to talk about that? The deadline. Yeah. It, if if you want it to be open, we <laughs> we just need to get it done. Yeah. Right. It's it, like the yeah. sooner you want to see it open, then that's basically it. Because we're gonna as as funds come in will be paying for projects and as um i think devin mentioned the roof is the first one we have yeah. to do um which is logical because you wouldn't want to fix anything under the roof when the roof is still leaking and it's very much a sad leaky roof um so that is a high the highest price point of everything on our project list um included in this campaign but once that's done then it's like everything else you know money money comes in we'll mm -hmm. just tackle that project you know we'll tackle the painting we'll you know, change yeah. out the flooring and the corridors cool. going into the auditorium, stuff like that. I think it's really important to you guys talk about it on the website, which is uh, saveaseatnow.org. You can also go to utcany.org as well. Uh, as I'm reading through here, and you, you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning. Yes, it's about the theater. Yes, it's about the seats, auditorium, main stage, lower level. But again, I'll tell you a dirty secret. Years ago, and you got we're talking like 20 years ago, man. I, got, I must have been 17, 18, 19 at the time. I had a friend who was working at the then-open version of the Uptown Theater. Yeah. And he had the key, and he used to let us come in and watch movies late night. And we may or may not have drank beers and smoked cigarettes inside and other such things. Uh, but we used to walk through the building all the time. And even then, yeah, 15 years ago, there were parts of that building that I was like, this feels like they should fix this, <laughs> right? And this is, and I'm talking like structural stuff. So, yeah. so I, I think that's important. You know, it's not just we want to make this place look good. It's we want to make sure this place remains foundational it, yeah. we we want to make it sustainable so yeah. that, that we rebound well, yeah we're not going to do patch jobs we're you know the, the the benefit is it's already at square one kind of in terms of yeah. everything's been ripped out and we're going to build it up as a covid friendly theater of the future you know as as best we can to um to make it uh so that it is here for our kids and generations to come you know it's uh we have the keys now and you know we're kind of inviting everyone to come in and play with us. You got to smoke outside. Uh, you can smoke whatever you want outside now. What a time! But um, that's kind of what we're saying is you know we got the keys. If you guys can help us by throwing in on one of these seats, like we can do some fun stuff in here. Uh, listen, I'm really as always. I'm really excited for this and for you guys. I'm always happy uh, to see you guys doing stuff down there. I've talked about it a million times. People don't need to hear me talk about how much I find that theater to be an important. <laughs> I'm a guy like that. it's sort of what I was talking about. There's a, probably a lot of people like me whose first experience with like going to a movie yeah. theater and being you know around anything in this area was going to the Uptown or walking to the Uptown. For me, it was Jurassic Park, like the T-shirt you're wearing. I must have watched it 17 times in there <laughs> when I was a kid there yeah. because I just was obsessed. And those feelings don't go away very easily, especially in this sort of generation where nostalgia is so 
vital to almost every part of our social media and pop culture now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we're, I mean, we're just hoping we can find a couple hundred people around here that, that feel the same way. And, you know, just yeah. to reiterate, we're not making any money on this. You know, Brianna and I. I'm so bad uh, when you say that. I hate when you say that. Well, no. <laughs> it, it, I mean, we both have day jobs. We do this as a passion project. And, and the whole organization is a passion project. So, um, you know, it all goes to, to this. It's, yeah. it, I'm not taking anything. We're not taking anything. It goes, uh, you know, hopefully once we get up and running and, it, you know, it's a self-sustaining business, we can hire a bunch of people and, and start operating as a real business. But uh, until we get a new roof, we uh, we can't do that. So tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we're just, you know, hoping hoping other people feel that way and can, can push us over this, you know, this next hump. Uh, and again, folks, saveaseatnow.org, U-T-C-A-N-Y.org. You guys are all over Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Although we were just talking about how we're all kind of on the verge of like being over Twitter. I'd like to find a way I'm to do it. over Facebook. I'm very uh, over we Facebook. We just consolidate to one. We just talked about this in the pod yesterday. I don't understand when it happened for me. I think that Instagram is number one for me. and I find it to be the simplest. So I, here's how I've broken it down. Twitter is controversial instagram is inspirational uh and facebook makes me sad because i know the people in real life that's yeah. sort of where the things lie with twitter i expect it to be controversial nonsense from strangers and bots and i can't take it very seriously it's good if i'm watching live sports with instagram it's every single best meal or moment or something i can look at and say here's me on a beach mm-hmm. or here's me eating a sandwich or here's my wedding dress or whatever it's like the best curated moments of your life. It's hard for me to be angry about any of that. And then Facebook is like, I can't believe I'm related to this person. I'm going to have to mute them for 30 it's days. It's a lot of people fighting. It's a jump. lot of anger. The problem is that... like a disappointing point of view from somebody who yeah. you didn't even think that you would be disappointed in their point of view because you don't really think about them and then you're like, yeah. oh no. It's always really? someone I went to high school with. And that's the thing. I can ignore a Twitter egg. When it's somebody I like went to like drama club with, I'm like, oh no, really? I thought you were cool. At a certain point, <laughs> I uh, just unfollowed... <laughs> Most of the people, yeah. so I only get news and stuff. Yep. But it's uh, the problem is there's too many people on it. You know, I know a lot of people have left, but in terms of uh, paid reach and being able to get you know messaging out for cheap, yeah. it's um, um, it's a lot easier. Although we got some TV commercials we need to roll out. Yeah. But I sort of that's it. If it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for like maybe yeah. the stuff I'm retweeting or Uticast stuff thing. to get out, like, that's it. But I've lost any personality. There's no character behind the Uticast Twitter profile anymore. Because I hate being on Twitter no. so much yeah. that it's like, no. any comment I got to think about, like, oh, am I going to have to, yeah. is this going to bother somebody? Is gonna, some listener is going to say, I don't want to listen to this now. I don't know. I don't want to do that. I have fun, you like, running the UTCA, like, Instagram. Like, I have yeah. fun making posts mm-hmm. and, like, doing stories and reading comments. And the engagement's, like, pretty good and, like, satisfying and... It's like, we'll post something on there, and then, you know, I watch all the alerts coming in. I'm like, yay, people are excited about this. And the same thing will be on Facebook for, like, a week and get, like, three likes. Yeah. And it's just so upsetting. And I'm like, what? <sighs> Look, I don't well, want to use this. Nobody cares. I think, too, uh, I'm too young. I'm sorry. I'm too old now to get into TikTok. I missed mm-hmm. out on TikTok. I feel like if I tried to do a TikTok, it would be, uh, as the kids say, cringy. I think that I've gotten to the age where I can't take on another new social media platform. Whatever I got left, Instagram, Reddit was the last one I think that I'm still, like, I still, watch. even Reddit makes me, like, that's not even a social media platform. That's, like, something totally different. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get off the social media. Before I let you guys go, I've kept you here longer than I told you I would. 
I have a few quick lightning round questions for yes. you guys mm -hmm. uh, before we head out. Uh, this one's sort of topical. Yesterday was the Kentucky Derby. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, did you guys watch the Kentucky Derby, a.k.a. bet on it, anything that you guys are interested in? And two, if you were to own a horse in the Kentucky Derby, what would you name it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I... I, I didn't know it was on. I couldn't, yeah, care less about it. I saw that it was on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was, like, I saw that it was on. It was like Kentucky Derby. Like, on, what channel is it on? NBC? NBC, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. On NBC for the next three hours. So I went to put it on. Like, I'm like, all right, I'll watch the, the horses race, but that's only two minutes. I don't want to watch three hours of lead up. If you're not gambling on it, there's no point. And yeah. I, I don't like to gamble per se, but there are certain things over the year, like big events, that I feel like I want to put some money on. Yeah. NCAA tournament. Uh, the Masters, for whatever reason, I like to bet on somebody just so if I'm going to watch it, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm rooting for Bob Jones or whoever. And so this one, I actually bet on somebody. So I watched it yesterday. And then after a minute and a half, I was like, this was stupid. I threw away $60 on this for no reason on a horse named Soup and Sandwich because I thought it was funny. Like, that was that's where I ended up with <laughs> That's good. That's a good name. Like, Soup yeah. and Sandwich. That's why I picked it. Soup and Sandwich. I thought that was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would name my horse. I'd probably name him Mr. Ed. Like, Mr. it'd be very unoriginal, you know? <laughs> or, like, Mr. Ed 2. Or just, like, horsey. Or, yeah, or, yeah, just a horse. What was the one <laughs> I Here comes the horse. I had, I, I came up with one yesterday. It was just, like, I think it was, like, uh, Future Glue, I think was the name of it. I, I thought that was kind of cynical and dark, uh, but no one else thought that was funny. Oh, well, I like that one yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I had, like, a rocking horse thing when I was little. What well, wasn't rocking? It was, like, one of those plastic horses oh, on yeah, springs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I had one of those. Yeah, oh my God. and I called it like clippity clop. So yes. I, I'll call my horse that. That's pretty good. Though. But those are the kind of names. Like I was looking through the names yesterday; they're outrageous. Like the one that won was named Medina Spirit. There was one. My actually, my favorite one yesterday that I saw in there was oh God, um, Hidden Stash. That was my favorite guy. That's a fun name. Uh, well, then I found out that uh, Jim Beheim was part owner of it, so I should have bet. I should have huh. bet on him. Huh. I think I would just name it after one of my friends. So yes. it would be like, and uh, here comes Sean Doherty coming around the corner, and it's Sean Doherty up against Sayonja yeah. Soup. And Sean Doherty takes takes the... My buddy Velarde, shout out to my buddy Aaron Velarde, who's been on this pod before. He has for years said that if he were to get a horse, he would name it High Hater I See You, so that that's what people would have to say on the audio. And coming around the turn, it's High Hater I See You. And then we, for yeah, years, that's, that's been his one. I think that's where you gotta go. It's gotta be outrageous. Uh, this is a question I have to ask you guys because you guys uh, have kids. How, uh, you don't have to tell me how old your sons are, but they're getting to like uh, an old enough age now. I have no idea. I asked, <laughs> I asked Heather about this because I just recently worked with little kids, and I just recently worked with a little bit older elementary, middle school kids. And I've noticed a shift. When is it that kids decide they're choosing what they wear and what their personal style is? Did that happen already for you guys, or are you still like allowed to choose what your kids wear? No, for it was pretty immediate. Really? Like, I, I don't remember what age it was, but... Um, I think, like, around kindergarten. Interesting. Because I feel like a lot of the kindergarten kids are still wearing, like, cute little outfits that their mom picked out for them, just, like, whatever their mom said. And then, like, by fifth grade, they're like, I'm wearing sweatpants every day. Because... I mean, yeah. they've been in pandemic for a year, but, I mean, they've been in pajamas every day. I'm like, this is your third day in pajamas, don't you want to just, like... All... The well, same pajamas. They both yes. vetoed um, what they call hard pants. Hard pants? <laughs> yeah, like, they don't like years ago, years ago, when they were in preschool, each of them reached a point where they wouldn't let me put them in anything that had, like, a button fly. Like, only yeah. types of sweatpants yep. or yep. shorts that are, like, mesh shorts. So they both are a no on for real pants. Every boy I've ever taught from, like, sixth grade up through high school now, the entire apparel is, like, 
calf socks, mesh shorts, flip-flops, some sort of like Under Armour or Nike athletic branded t-shirt, and that's all they want to wear. That's like, all that's I ever the, wore. the main stuff. I was, see, I went through a lot of like weird phases. Like I was a punk rocker kid, so there was definitely a period where I was wearing nothing but like band t-shirts and big giant pants with like the pyramid studded belt right. spiking my hair up. I feel like uh, a lot of the kids aren't there yet. They haven't they haven't gotten that far with like choosing what they want to look like. But it's just I want to be comfortable. Yeah. Seems to be the general mo now. I don't think Oscar cares what he wears too much. And Milo has a lot of fun making creative fashion choices. So that's that's the way he to really go. likes to dig around yeah, in his does. drawers, and he comes up with really neat ideas. Uh, and last but not least, give me one a book, album, movie, or television you guys are watching, uh, listening to, or reading at the moment. What are we watching? Um, Cheers. Nice. Cheers. Oh, are you watching <laughs> and, the beginning or the uh, middle? Last Man on Earth. Last Man on Earth. We just restarted Cheers. And Last Man, the kids are really, in, Milo, who's six, is like super into Last Man on Earth. That's uh, Will Forte? Yeah, Will Forte. I feel like I watched the first season of it, and I was like, this is pretty funny, and then just never picked it up again yeah, after same. that. Yeah, it's, It is, it's slow. They made four seasons of it, which I, which I didn't know blew that. my mind, yeah. but it's got a great cast, and it's fantastic. It's fun. It was... And it's fun now, because it's like, the you know, it starts after everyone dies from a virus. Yeah, so, so they're always talking about the virus, and how it took everyone out, so it's a whole new when you watch take it. on it now, yeah. <laughs> I started reading a book, right, as the virus started, called The End of November, by this guy, Lawrence Wright. He's like a famous author, and it was about, you know... A pandemic that wipes yeah. out like a decent amount of the world and I, I read it like as this was starting and I think it really was a mistake because the book does not end in a positive way and I was like oh great this is I hope this guy's wrong <laughs> I hope he's not right uh, I, I have to say I'm watching a lot of weird reality television suddenly oh yeah well because I got Peacock when I I had the WWE Network and then WWE Network sold it to Peacock so everyone who had the WWE Network moved to Peacock and Peacock has, like, live channels, quote-unquote, that you can yeah. flip through. Yeah, yeah, So I've started watching oh, a lot of uh, a lot of Hell's Kitchen. Again, I love Hell's Kitchen. Okay. And, uh, and any sort of Gordon Ramsay show. But I also started watching a terrible reality show that I've been talking about for weeks called Below Deck. And oh, it's no. a spinoff show, Below Deck Mediterranean. And it's, it's a tough hang. But for some reason, I'm still watching it. You're hmm. still there? I'm still well, there. I know the show that you mean, but I've never seen it. I don't have a lot of patience for... Reality I turn, shows. I have to turn my brain off sometimes. I spend all day like talking to like little kids and like dealing with. You know, you mean like who and got I, me? Uh, I've been watching WWE again. They found me on like A and E or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a biography series now, yep. which is yep. great. Mm-hmm. That leads into this Hidden Treasures thing, which has me. Hooked. I just watched a flip, uh, clip of that with the Undertaker right before I was. It's so. Yeah. It's so. Even Bree was watching it. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um. I just. I've been watching actually. Vice does their documentary series about wrestling called Dark Side of the Ring. And oh if you, yeah. And if you like, uh, like true crime stuff. Yeah. There's a little bit of that action going on in there too. Like some of the the crazy stories. Me and Justin were actually just watching one about uh, this guy Brian Pillman. His story is. Way darker than I gave it credit for. I was like, "Oh, let's watch this." And then by the end, I was like, "Oh my, this is this is quite a story." Oh my god! Uh, all right. Well, listen, Devin, Brianna, love having you guys here. It's so happy to have you guys. Thank you so much, man. It's been so weird. You guys, you know, I've only had about two or three people in since I've been like fully vaccinated, and it's weird going back. I keep, we keep saying it. Nature is healing. It's so weird to have people back in the studio and I'm so happy that you guys it's so good, it's so to be, good to be anywhere really but, um, <laughs> but always a pleasure to be here with you well I appreciate it again folks saveacseatnow.org uh, do what you can to help out our good friends uh, and save a really important piece of Utica history uh, and become a part of it help build it up from the ground and you too can become nostalgic <laughs>
I don't know. That was a terrible lead out. I'm sorry, guys. That <laughs> no, was that was great. That was I, like I don't know. It didn't make any sense. Become nostalgic. That'll be our new tagline. Become nostalgic. It's pretty good. There you go. Become nostalgic. That's not my best work. <laughs> uh, Devin, Brianna, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. So good to be here, man. Thank you. Again, go to saveaseatnow.org to check out more information about what you can do uh, to get in before it's too late. Uh, all right. I think we'll do history lessons this week. I'm thinking next week I have a Utica Legends character I think I'm going to bring up for next Great. week. So uh, to compensate for this spot. I'm also, and Heather's not here to make the announcement, I've decided independently, without any prodding from Heather or Kevin, that I'm removing one history lesson per week. I usually do five because five is a round mm. number. It's a lot for me to do every week. Yeah. Uh, and then I cut it down so much that it feels like there's no reason for me to do five every week. So we're going to four for now. Okay. Four is now the number. Uh, I don't necessarily mind the history lessons. It's the ensuing paragraphs where it's like, oh, I got to read this fast voice. So we're just getting through it. We're going to do this. This guy's. I don't even remember what the history lesson was. Uh, on this day, 1469, Italian philosopher and writer Niccolo Machiavelli was born. Uh, he was Italian peasant and writer. Uh, a lifelong patriot and diehard proponent of a unified Italy, he became one of the fathers of modern political theory. Uh, Machiavelli's life took a political life took a downturn after 1512 when he fell out of favor with the powerful Medici family. Uh, he was accused of conspiracy, imprisoned, tortured, and temporarily exiled. It was an attempt to regain a political post and the Medici's family a good favor that Machiavelli penned The Prince, which would become his most well-known uh, work. I feel like the prince is something that pops up in like every piece of like mob fiction I like read. It's like pretty. Also, I'm Italian, so you hear some people mention Machiavelli like they're proud of him, mm. right? Hey, Machiavelli, you ever read Machiavelli? It's like, did you? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Can you spell Machiavelli? Yeah, spell it for me, bro. Sir. Uh, though released uh, posthumously in 1532, the prince was first published as a pamphlet in 1513. Uh, in it, Machiavelli visioned his. Uh, outlined his vision for an ideal leader, an amoral, calculating tyrant for whom the ends justifies the means. So you can see why this is so popular still. Uh, the prince not only failed to win the Medici family's favor, it also alienated him from the Florentine people. Uh, though he's long been established with the practice of diabolical, diabolical expediency in the realm of politics that was made famous in the prince, his actual views were not quite as extreme. Uh, in fact, such longer and more detailed writings later on showed him to be a much more principled political moralist. Mm. Uh, still, even today, the term Machiavellian is used to describe an action undertaken for gain without regard for right or wrong. Mm. So, yes, they took his most uh, his most controversial piece. And <laughs> that's what happens, though, isn't it, I feel yeah, like? That's true. Uh, on this day, 1933... Soul Brother Number One, the Godfather of Soul, Mr. Dynamite, the Sex Machine, the Minister of New York Super Heavy Funk, aka James Brown, uh, was born on this day, May 3rd, 1933. Uh, long before he changed the course of 20th century popular music and crowned himself the hardest working man in show business, James Brown may have been the hardest working man in Augusta, Georgia, 
where he was sent to live with his aunt at the age of six. Spent the previous several years with his father, who scraped out a meager living selling pine tar to the local turpentine factory. Seems like quite a job. Uh, while other famous musicians of his generation would get their musical training in the context of church, James Brown would get his on the street, where between jobs as a cotton-picking, uh, coal-scrounging, shoeshine boy, he also danced and sang to attract clients at his aunt's place of business. He honed his uh, talents further in prison when he was sentenced to serve 8 to 16 years for stealing from parked cars at the age of 15. An experience that might have broken another man, however, inspired James to dedicate himself to music. Uh, at the age of 19, a highly motivated, worldly wise, and ferociously talented James Brown walked out of prison and began his climb toward musical greatness. Mm. James Brown. I did put one James Brown song on the list, uh, and it's probably mm. the last James Brown song uh, that he ever released of any merit, and it was Living in America from oh, the Rocky Four. I love that song. I do like that song. I love that song. Well, because I, I was either going to like, what am I going to put a Madman, Man's World again? I, I feel like I put, we put some James Brown on the list before, I feel like, somewhere along the way. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so I put that one on there for you. On this day, 1975, uh, American actor and comedian Mo Horvitz, a.k.a. Mo Howard, later uh, member of the Three Stooges, the leader uh, died at the age of 77. Uh, the group originally started out as Ted Healy and his Stooges, a vaudeville act. Uh, Moe's distinctive hairstyle came about when he was a boy, and he cut off his curls with a pair of scissors, producing a ragged shape approximating a bowl cut. I feel mm. like as a kid I got a lot of Moe Howard jokes because I had a bowl cut. Mm. It's like a thing my dad would really hassle me about. Mm. He'd poke me in the eye, give me the nyuk. Uh On June 7, 1925, Moe Howard uh, married Helen Schrodenberg, who was the cousin of Harry Houdini. Uh, he tried to have a regular like job, but he couldn't hack it. He hated having normal work, so he went back to working in vaudeville uh, after he was married. Uh, he died at 77. At, uh, essentially, he'd been smoking a pack of cigarettes for his entire adult life, just mm. like heaviest smoker. Um, he wrote in his autobiography, which is titled I Stooge to Conquer, uh, essentially that... Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Again, Mo Howard passed away on this day, 19. Uh, 75 at the age of 77. What are your first thoughts when I say Three Stooges? You like um, yeah, that's all right. I certainly laughed like, a lot when I was a kid. I understand that it's like important in the historical scope, but much like, oh, I don't know, say the music of Buddy Holly, I'm not going to pretend that, like, oh, this is like the real stuff. Yeah. This is what really makes me laugh. No, I get it. It was good for his time. Like, so, you know, cool. Good. You know, when I was a little kid, I was really fascinated by like stand up comedy and like comedy troops, comedy troops and stuff. My grandfather loved all this kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and as a kid, as a little kid, I loved the Three Stooges. Mm. I thought it was the funniest thing slapping each other, poking each other, hitting themselves with the you know, violin, all that kind of thing. As I get older, I look back at some of those older comedians. I'm like, this isn't funny. You know who is funny though? W.C. Fields. Mm. But I didn't think that was funny when I was a kid. Now as an adult, I find that humor fun. I actually like to go back and look at some of that stuff. It's sure, not yeah. like, uh, also famous to say there's like a Three Stooges, or no, it's Abbott and Costello. There's a Abbott and Costello short that essentially in like 1940 shows that wrestling was always fake. Like they pretty much like just point out that wrestling is a work. Oh yeah. And, uh, and just, do. yeah, they knew it back in the day. Mm -hmm. And last but not least on this day, 2002. Uh, the American superhero film Spider-Man, starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Willem Dafoe, Cliff Robertson, and Rosemary Harris, was released. Film centers on the outcast teen genius Peter Parker, who develops spider-like superhuman abilities after being bitten by a genetically altered spider. Uh, 
Do you uh, what do you like this movie? Do you remember going to see this in the theater? The uh, Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it kind of gets lost in the world of superhero movies now, but like that really was a big deal. Spider Man movie, like there was no other like comic yeah, book like, universe. If these movies didn't do so well, you wouldn't have the Marvel world that you have now. Uh, this premiered on April 29th, 2002. Uh, the film became the first film to reach $100 million in a single weekend, as well as the most successful film, uh, film based on a comic book at the time. With a box office gross of over $821 million worldwide, it was the third gri- uh, highest grossing film of 2002, the highest grossing superhero film, and the sixth highest grossing film overall at the time of its release. Uh, it is credited for re- redefining the modern superhero genre as well as the summer blockbuster. After its success, it spawned two sequels, Spider-Man 2, which is superior, and Spider-Man 3, which is like a little bit unfairly maligned, but is probably the worst of the three. Yeah. It's, it gets, it's got a little bit of the Godfather 3 uh, problem. Right, where, where it's, it's like, like obviously <clears throat> worse than the first two. Obviously. <laughs> the first two are very good. The mm-hmm. third one is whatever... But because the first two are so good, you hate the third one more. Yeah. Right? Like, Godfather 3. Plus the scene where he becomes goth Peter Parker and does the dance routine. That's it. That's it, though. That's that's the unforgivable sequence. I, too, like to laugh at dumb shit, so I gotcha. But I'm just saying. (laughs) Is that really the sequence that bothers everybody the most? That was it. It was over. I feel like. You could feel the theater deflate. When he's doing like the weird dance, yeah, it's the pretty, whole it's thing. pretty cringy. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. Man. Like he looks, it looks like a scene from that movie, The New Guy. You remember it that movie, The New like Guy? It. That's what that looks like. <laughs> it gets replayed by DJ Qualls. <sighs> look up DJ Qualls, guys. You'll know who I mean. What's he up to these days, DJ Qualls? He's on a TV show, I think. Uh, so and there you go. CSI style thing, maybe something like that. CSI style he's doing. thing. What was his apex mountain? Uh, New Guy. The new Guy. <laughs> new Guy. Yeah, yeah. Douchko. Euro Trip. Was he in Euro Trip? No, no, he was in Road Trip. Road Trip. You can believe that. That's right. The, the, the fake college in upstate New York. Yeah. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's do some weird news of the week. Uh, FDA is banning this week uh, menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. USDA uh, taking the step to ban menthol flavored cigarettes and all flavored cigars. Uh, so there you go. I know a lot of people who smoke menthol cigarettes are going to be very disappointed. Mm. Um, I always think, though, and this is like another old man take, right? I always thought that when I was a kid, would stop me from like drinking beer out of like my dad's fridge or like drinking his booze was that it all tasted terrible, right? Mm. I feel like I'm not. I, I kind of support the idea that maybe you don't want to make anything that's like super bad for you easier to taste good. Most well, menthol is like not really. That's not my. Here's my real concern with this, and I know everybody gets real, real upset um, about these things and like everything's yeah. called racism nowadays. Um, this is gonna the the enforcement of this rule is gonna disproportionately affect communities of color, and that's right. just a statistical fact. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as popularity of both flavored cigars and menthol cigarettes, this seems like the same thing. Like making the penalties harsher for crack than they were for cocaine, because black mm-hmm. people the crack was in like poor black communities, and rich white people were doing cocaine, yeah. and getting slaps on the wrist. This feels like the same gross shit. It feels really targeted. I think it's a good idea. I think they should just ban them all if this is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this just feels really gross and targeted, like an easy way to continue to push a boot on a neck while patting yourself mm. on the back about what a good job you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fuck this, I, basically. I hear it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fuck this, 
Uh, I saw a story this week that I was going to put in like the funny news and I read a little deeper into it. So Sweden is offering homeless people one-way tickets to anywhere in Europe if they agree not to come back. <laughs> this is a story that's running in Swiss cities. Uh, th- this, is a, this is like a sad story in the first place. Mm-hmm. But what's even darker about it is they're offering you the trip. But if you don't take it, they're going to treat you as illegal immigrants and deport you anyway. Of course they are. <laughs> So it's a bit of a misnomer when they hit you with the... We're going to pack you up and send you somewhere else isn't a solution. It is not a solution. Uh, All right, let's get into some lighter stuff here before we close out for the day. So this is from a really interesting study that I read about on Vice uh, about deep time, about the deep time project. So 15 people were asked to live 40 days inside of a sunless cave without clocks in an effort to study time. Uh, So the volunteers were part of this experiment... Uh, they were essentially sent down and given everything they needed down there except water, which they had to get from the cave system itself, which had access to water. And when they came out, apparently they thought they had been in there for 30 days, Mm -hmm. not 40. So they were 10 days short on their calculations. Mm -hmm. Is that surprising to you? No. 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 I think it's really, it's really fascinating. I mean, a lot of these folks seem like they liked being down in the cave from what they said they said it was very like Mm -hmm. uh they said it was very calming after a while it was i think it is weird like even if you're there with a bunch of people and you're doing some sort of routine for everyone to still be off that amount of time right to feel like you're you how would you all get to 30 and you'll all be 10 10 days off because you're all still humans yeah right so it's all still i mean our circadian rhythm is directly opposed to like the the way that we live our lives so it makes sense that that would change if our you know exposure to sunlight and regular schedules are changed you know what i mean but still at the end of the day the human clock is still the human clock so i'm not i wouldn't expect it to be too varied because it's not like it's a personal choice it's about like internal brain rhythms in case you're wondering uh sam why would anyone care to know about any of this information uh a lot of scientists believe this will help anticipate challenges for things like Long-term submarine missions, deep space or interplanetary exploration, uh, a- a- adaptation in cases of like severe climate disturbances, and essentially, it's talking about how the human brain and humans in general are able to evolve to new situations and find new solutions. Mm-hmm. A.K. Please don't think too hard about why we're studying this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little Hollywood news. We talked about the breakup of them two weeks ago. Well, guess what? There's a reunion, guys. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck have been sighted hanging out together after Jennifer Lopez's split. Good for them. From Alex Rodriguez. Listen. Sometimes you gotta revisit, man. Sometimes you both gotta grow up. I was sad that this went down with J-Lo and A-Rod. All of what I'm reading, it seems like A-Rod was a little, uh, uh, unfaithful. Of course he was. He's a bad guy. Bad guy. A-Rod's so maybe... Known bad guy. Is Affleck also known bad guy? Yeah. Oh, she picks yeah, bad he's boys. a bad guy. She She's not boys. a great lady. Yeah, that's right. Like the, the this kind of power and influence <laughs> and money is just a corrupting a corrupting thing. No, do I think Affleck is a better guy than A Rod? That's oh boy, that's complicated. It's a tough question. I'd probably rather have a chat with Affleck than I would A Rod. You know what I mean? Probably but more like, charming than A Rod. But like, if I had to guess, which one is more likely to have like been violent with a romantic partner? I gotta say Affleck. You know what I mean? Kind of thinking the about drinking him. problem. A Rod doesn't seem to have the temper. A Rod seems like he do like some weird stuff. Big dumb idiot though, kissing kissing mirrors in that picture and stuff. He's yeah, you know what I mean? he'd be He's more that guy. Kind of thing. Uh, all right, so there you go. That's Hollywood news number one. Hollywood news number two. Uh, people just can't have nice things. Uh, an eighty-year-old <laughs> uh, 
review for Citizen Kane has removed its 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, in addition to a negative review from 1941 was added to their lists. Yeah. Uh, which knocked the movie down. I'm going to give you a quote from the 1941 review. This is from a writer credited as May Tenay. You get it? May Tenay? Like mm. a matinee? You get it? Mm, I'm, I'm good. 1941 is the best they were doing. I mean, it's interesting. It's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece. But nobody deserves to get in on the first ballot. But, no, <laughs> but its sacrifice of simplicity to F, to uh, eccentricity robs it of distinction and general entertainment value. Go watch the Stooges then, ma'am. I only know it gave me the creeps. Sign your real name, coward. <laughs> and well, I actually agree <clears throat> with this. <laughs> Well, you you know, this was probably all part of uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, campaign to bring down uh, Orson Welles because he hated him. That's true. Because he felt this movie true. was about him. So William Randolph Hearst, bad guy. Bad dude. Super bad dude. Uh, you can read all about that uh, anywhere. And then, Kevin, I figured we should talk about this because it was in Men's Health. No, but good, though. I'm not mad. That does, doesn't deserve 100%. No, you don't think so? No. I've actually never seen the movie. I saw it a long time ago, and I tried to watch it like once. And I get it like from, uh, I, man, much like much like the Buddy Holly thing I was saying. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's great. It's amazing. <laughs> but, like, settle down. Uh, and, Kevin, we are both men, and we are both theoretically healthy. This is from Men's Health. Like moderately. <laughs> uh, this is from Men's Health. Yeah, what's up? Uh, and it's about men and eating meat. Mm. Turns out that three-fourths of men would rather die young than give up eating meat, is the question here. That's a weird phrasing, so let's look at some of the questions they actually phrasing. asked. Uh, so the, the art, this is a study commissioned by a non-for-profit group called No Meat Way, uh, sorry, No Meat May, went on to reveal that uh, more meat a diet contained, the more masculine it was perceived to be by both male and female respondents in their article. 40% of people still saw eating meat as a masculine undertaking as opposed to something gender neutral or feminine. Yeah, that shit's whack. <laughs> What's more shocking, perhaps, though, is that 73% of male responders said they'd rather reduce their life expectancy by up to 10 years than give up eating meat. Mm. So what are your thoughts about this? I mean, so what, what did you say? What's the, what's the early? How early? 10 years. Give up 10 years of your life. One's at the end, the back to end not, years. You know, to not eat any... With, I mean, with, they're doing underground cave studies. Like, where are we going to be there anyway? You know what I mean? I don't... Uh, I kind of understand the point here. And yeah, I, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm aware that, like, there is, like, you know, a lot of risks about eating red meat and what it means and I mean, cancer, you shouldn't, you shouldn't drink alcohol. And, like, it's you true. You should have never, like, smoked. You shouldn't have done any illegal drugs in college. You shouldn't tan. You know, you shouldn't, like, do... Really, though, like, you shouldn't true. do anything. You shouldn't eat, like, potato chips either. So, with anything else, I say moderation. But, yeah. no, I'm not signing up for an extra. Because if you don't know when the end is, I mean, what if you say, like, yeah, I'll take the ten years off my life, but you were going to die at nine. You it's know what I mean? Point. So, yeah, you're dead true. now. Like, yeah. good luck. You know? It's just one of, no. I'm never playing the game where I'm making a deal for years off my life. I would never any entity approached me on some dark highway one sunset <laughs> evening and tried to like trade me years of my life for like fame i don't think so man that's fair not i don't have enough information john doe has the advantage don't come <laughs> don't come down here Stay with me now. uh all right so uh let's go to mailbag question for the week uh kevin which food or drink item excluding mm. stuff like salt has the least 
quality and taste difference between its cheapest version and its most expensive iteration. Mm. So the opposite of the mayonnaise thing, where I say like I'm only getting Hellman's mayonnaise because non-Hellman's mayonnaise tastes like garbage. Yeah. Uh, I think cereal is my answer for this. I feel mm. like uh, cheap cereal, for the most part, is exactly the same as the, the General Mills brand or the, the mainstream brand. I feel like they can be pretty different, but that's probably case by case. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, produce. I'm going to go ahead and say produce, because whether you buy the $3.5 organic bell pepper or you have the regular bell pepper, when you chop it up and you put it in like a Creole sauce, it doesn't matter. It tastes pretty much the same. Nah, you know what I'll push back on with that is <coughs> uh, strawberries. I would make an argument that an organic strawberry tastes a lot better than a regular strawberry. I think yeah, there are certain yeah, things. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Certain stuff. So, yes, yeah, so I guess. I guess I think probably specifically vegetables. Vegetables. Maybe, yeah, um, fruits. I feel like the organic fruits, one is pretty yeah. pretty banging. Um, yeah. It's tough. A though. lot of boring stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of really boring, like a flower. You know what I mean? Flowers, flowers, flower. Uh, here's one for you that I think is kind of weird. Uh, I think there's a big difference with cold cuts. Like, if you go to the deli... Oh, no, that's huge. Yeah, and you yeah. get, like, the boar's head or whatever they get you there, and you go to the, the grocery store, and they got, like, the Bar S bologna on the side next to the Oscar Mayer, just go to the deli and get the bologna there. Always it's better. Just go yeah. there. You, if, you're, if your cold cuts are coming shipped in from somewhere in plastic, oh. that's just a disservice you're doing to yourself. When um, I was, that's a choice you're making. When I was super poor, uh, mm-hmm. living in Brooklyn, I would get the Bar S bologna from next door from the grocery store because they didn't have much and that's a really that's a really depressing meal you're like man this is really not good some hot peppers some mustard throw the frying pan you gotta throw the frying pan there's no you you can doctor all that up you gotta make the best you do the best you can you know this is a good one when I (laughs) the first time I got into buying Greek yogurt Mm. and putting granola in it yeah yeah this is like the stupidest thing I've done I can remember I was like oh this is great I love this you know it would be a good idea if I just filled this whole thing with granola so that I open the fridge and be ready to go. <laughs> I just took the granola into the giant thing of like Greek thing, mixed it all up. No, that works. It's not how that works it's at all. Works, I had to throw it all out. <laughs> what a waste. Oh, was so stupid. Stupid young man. Don't you, don't you get, I always get a kick out of things like that when I do that. Well, like I'll do it. And I just have that moment where you're like, all right, so I'm like ostensibly a smart, smart person. A master's but degree. this is like unbelievable that I missed this. Like, this is that 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 little five percent that I think everybody has. The little five percent of yourself where you stop and question yourself. You're like, am I actually just uh, mentally challenged, handicapped? Whatever you want to say. Am I just this and nobody's telling me? Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's in human nature. I watched yeah. I watched a mutual friend of ours once. This is years ago. He had an open cup in his cup holder, and he just had his phone in his hand and mm. turned the phone off and dropped it right in the cup. Like I watched him look at the cup and throw the phone into the cup full. I don't remember that. Who did that? Uh, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, one of our guys. Okay. Did that. Uh, sounds like one of your guys. Sounds like one of your guys. <laughs> uh, he threw that phone right into the open glass of water. Yeah. And I watched him see yeah. it happen and watch it happen, and I was like, "That was terrible." Yeah. <laughs> that's really bad, my man. That's really yeah. tough. <laughs> it, I mean, it definitely happens because everybody oh, yeah. had that moment. Like, I know there have been times like we'll be around, like I'll do something, or you'll just someone else be like, "So that thing?" Oh yeah, that's a good point. Mm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a good point. Ah uh, yes. Ah uh, yes. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it. That's all we got for this week. I don't have any. Oh no, I got to do um, Spotify. Spotify. Oh, spot, 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 Spotify. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, I put Dave Matthews' song on there for the Dave Matthews discussion this week. I picked Two Step off of Crash, because I was trying to pick something off of that album. Mm. 
Uh, and then I also said Living in America by James Brown from the Rocky uh, Four soundtrack. That's your jam. I do like that one. Uh, I'll also uh, I'll also shout out one more, which is a song that got stuck in my head early this week. I was thinking about it. Because um, Heather was making fun of me last week that she thinks all her songs are lame compared to ours when she adds them on here. Heather, that's just your mean brain talking to you, girl. You got it. We love all your tracks. But I was listening to a track called uh, Celebrated Summer by Husker Du. And I was like, man, this song, song kicks, man. This song's killing it. And then I was like, this is a song that if someone heard me listen to, they'd be like, what a nerd listening to this song. This is not that cool of a song. You just, yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're like making this out to be better. This is just whatever. Yeah, you'll, but, cer- you'll certainly have that. There's no question. But I like Celebrated Summer. It's a good track, so I put it on here uh, for all y'all. Kev, is there any track you'd like to highlight this week? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put on um, one that I'm definitely going to put on. i got to make sure this is what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a song called Crumbs. By two gentlemen named Jordan Dennis and another guy named Blushko. Blushko. Who knows? Um, if you've watched any television in the last two months, mm-hmm. you know this song. Um, and I listened to it, and I already liked the hook from like the thing. It's like basically there's a market correction for Chancellor Rapper. Um, but it does some really cool stuff as the song goes on. I was very pleasantly surprised, and I like it quite a bit. So even though it's an overplayed commercial song, uh, suck it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, see, I'm kind of thinking. I don't know. I feel like I might should put a Dave Matthews song. You can if you want. I mean, I'm trying to decide. I, you know what I mean? I mean that's, that's the choice. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I initially put uh, Crush on here because that's my mm-hmm. favorite single, probably Dave Matthews song, I would say. Huh. Uh, but then I was like, no, because I guess I was talking about Crash. So I guess I should put something off of Crash, which is why I ended up with Two Step. That's the album. And then I didn't put album. number 41 because I assumed that you or Heather would put it if she were here or someone was here for yeah, it. Yeah, correct. That's my J. That's like Head yeah. and Shoulders, my favorite song. By and, that's, or maybe I should put All Eight Minutes of the Payback by James Brown on this one. That's pretty good, too. What are the, what's the worst Dave Matthews song I put here? Proudest Monkey? Oh, there's so many worse Dave Minarets? Spinning from the Minarets? It's probably stuff we don't even know about. Something off of... Uh, like all of his nine albums since we stopped paying attention? You know what, Dave Matthews... I will say one you know Dave Matthews... sucks? Satellite? Yo! Yo! Satellite! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Satellite! Yo, it's My man, absolutely. Yeah, you know Satellite it. sucks. You know it. Like a diamond sucks. Overrated. Just in the you, sky. Just because like, you could learn how to play it when you were still only okay at acoustic guitar doesn't mean it's a good song. I like the one um, where he's just counting down from ten. Ten fingers we have each. I don't think I was that deep. Oh, man. I don't think I was that That's deep. That's a good one. I don't one. think I know That's that. Pretty um, tough. You know what I do like, though? The Dave Matthews Tim Reynolds album. That was a great album. To this yeah, day, I'll ride with that album live at yeah, Luther College. That's pretty cool. See, so, yeah, I guess I'll go, I'll go ahead and throw number 41 on that. Number 41. Match up. We'll right. get number 41 cranking. Uh, number 41, more than probably any song by this band, is like is what I really think of when I'm like unimpeachable. Like You can mm-hmm. listen to it. You can sit there and like actually listen to it. And you can tell me it's not really for you, but if you just tell me it's just bad, you, you're just lying, right? And, like, <laughs> I can see that you're lying, you know what I mean? It's got that undeniable Steely Dan thing, right? Yeah. Like, you can listen to, like, Peg and tell me you don't like it, but you can't tell me they did a bad job, right? Same kind of thing. Because here we have been standing for a long, long time. Treading, trodden trails. <laughs> for a long, long time. Yeah, sure. David Matthews. Uh, all right. <laughs> You can follow. That's it. The show's over. Uh, Tune hopefully. in next week where we'll talk about busted stuff. Busted stuff. On our new Dave Matthews podcast. <laughs> I've thought about like if this show ever decided to not be about whatever it's about. Uh, interviews, I suppose. I could just I would just make Malik do a music show with me every week. Like Malik, we're doing a show where I talk about old bands and you tell me how old I am. I was gonna say, are you, are you cool enough? I don't think we're no, cool I'm not enough. cool enough. We're not yet. cool enough no. to do a show. With Malik. I've told Malik that I'm not cool enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. 
Shout out, uh, Heather Wise. Hopefully she'll be back next week. Uh, again, saveacseatnow.org. Thank you again mm. to Devin and Brianna uh, from the Uptown. We love and respect them for what they're doing. Appreciate you guys spending time with us. Uh, that's it. Follow Heather at HeatherWaz1 on Twitter. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom, Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify. Uh, what am I missing? I think Stitcher, Apple, all those things. I said those already. Uh, that's it. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. And we will see you next week another episode of the Unicast. I'm working on some really exciting guests. I want you guys to know. I got, I got a couple on the pipes. So, good stuff coming up. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs>